I've always wanted to be an architect. I always wanted to be an architect. Oh my God. I have always wanted to be an architect. I've 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 always wanted to be an architect. All right, Josh. So introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and 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 how you got started as a developer. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. I'm, uh, you. I love listening to podcasts. This is the first podcast I've been on. There you go. <laughs> My name is Josh Weiner. I am principal with the Longboat Group. We are a family office based in Sarasota, Florida. And we do real estate development, property management. And we also have some other services particularly on the investment side of things. Uh, but I don't expect we'll be covering that side of things today. Had the opportunity to work with the Schimberg Group for the last year or so. And being on a podcast with uh, you, Baron, is the tip of the iceberg. There you it's, go. It's exciting. <laughs> but you weren't, you didn't get started as a developer. That's right. You, you don't know everything that I've done in my career. Uh, yeah, but I, I've had kind of a diverse group of experience. So went to law school and anticipated practicing law till I got to the third year of law school and realized I didn't really want to practice law hmm. and knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, knew I wanted to use kind of that legal skill set that I developed and do something with it. Mm -hmm. So I did what you would expect. I went over to China and started importing craft beer, believe it or not. So I started during college. Uh, this is after law school. Okay. So, so you I finished law school. Finished law school, went over to China, mainly to hone my Chinese language skills because okay. I studied Chinese growing up. And you speak always, Chinese? I do. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. Okay. Always wanted to live abroad. Went over there, was an entrepreneur, started a business, ended up sort of falling into food and beverage marketing through that experience. Got recruited to come back to the States and work for a consulting company in food and beverage marketing. Eventually got recruited away from them to a wine company, believe it or not. And uh, about seven years ago, uh, I was having a great kind of corporate marketing career and consulting career in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad called me and you know he's been operating the family office for about 20 years, uh, doing a fair amount of real estate development and uh, you know another investment. And your dad's an attorney too, right? He is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He went to law school as well. And uh, when he called me, I could tell that he was struggling uh, a little bit in in uh, in business. His chief operating officer had just left the company. Hmm. He'd hired a property management company that uh, for his first big multifamily or apartment development that wasn't doing a great job. And I don't know what struck me. I, ne I never wanted to work in the family business. I, I, <laughs> honestly, I tried to stay as far away from it as I could. But for whatever reason, that day, I just said to him, hey, do you need some help? And he said, yeah, I do. I really need some help. And he's not a guy that would typically ask for help. And where was this? Uh, this I mean, so, where were you living at the time? I was in Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah, okay. I was living in Seattle. And so the project was in Sarasota. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll help you for six months or so. We'll get things stabilized. And then I'll kind of go back to, to what I was doing. And here I am seven years later, you know, as a, a part-time real estate developer, you're helping to manage our property management operations and uh, and loving every minute of it. You know, I kind of fell into something that I never anticipated loving, but uh, it's been great. So do you think you've treated development differently than 
obviously your father, let's say, but in general, as other compared to other developers? I'd like to think that kind of my different or distinct backgrounds sort of lends itself to a little bit different approach. Mm-hmm. I'd definitely say that there's a lot of similarities between the way that my father and I develop, and he certainly t- taught me a lot. But I think, you know, maybe the one different thing, knowing that I come from kind of a marketing background, is that it's really concept first, mm-hmm. it's vision first, and then maybe pro forma second, right? Financial pro forma. And so, you know, I've gotten exposure to other developers and how they operate. And a lot of times I see they they kind of start with a pro forma. Hey, this is what a project's got to cost per square foot. Mm-hmm. This is what we've got to command and rent per square foot. Mm-hmm. And then let's design from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, it's more about that vision first and then kind of try to back into a pro forma, hopefully, that, that works. And have you found it works? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, so far, so good. You know, and we we get a lot of feedback from folks, whether they're tenants of ours or, uh, and we've got mostly residential projects, but we also have self storage projects. We have coming retail development that you're helping me out with, and we get a lot of feedback from folks that we work with and tenants that uh, our projects feel a little bit different and are. I'd like to think again, I'm probably selling myself a little too much here, but a little more thoughtful about some of the details. And part of that is that we manage our properties too. So it's not that we develop and then hand off to a third party property manager, Mm -hmm. right? We're actually able to see people utilizing these spaces on a daily basis, think about how we can program the spaces. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of look at it, I think bottom to top, you know, about how this built environment is is really going to uh, make people feel and hopefully make people feel good. Do you think any of that has to do with your background as to how you approach it differently than others? I think so. Uh, I think also it's just the fact that I like the creative side uh, and the design yes, side. I do know the right of the, of, <laughs> of the business probably most. So I probably like to dive into that first just because that, that's the part I enjoy. Yeah. And that was one of the questions is what do you like most? And that's clearly in your in your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fun. Why do you like it so much? Maybe because not every not every developer does, right? Having worked with multiple developers, that's not necessarily the approach that every developer takes. You you're a little different. And I have found that one of the interesting parts of our relationship and the way that we treat our projects is that I enjoy those moments, just like we did before this interview, where I can show you something that that gets you excited, knowing that you're going to be excited about it, right? Right. Or knowing that you're not going to be excited about it, which has its benefits also. Yeah. Right? There's 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 a point where we have had exchanges from a design standpoint and an aesthetic standpoint that you go, no, this isn't this isn't right. Mm-hmm. But then that gives us a very clear direction as to how to go. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just curious. Like, I don't know. Like, do, do you do you, like what? Why do you like this? Oh man, like that <laughs> now. Let's get into like uh, I don't know. It's like therapy time or something. <laughs> it's great. It's it's kind of tough. So, the why sort of could be fun to dig into a little bit. I mean, I'm curious. I'll yeah. throw a, that same question back at you in a second. You know, to see sort of why you enjoy that side of the business. For me, 
you know, I, I've always enjoyed creative pursuits. So really, you know, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be a writer, hmm. right? Uh, you know, I went to college, uh, I was an English literature major, mm-hmm. really only went to law school because I didn't know what to do next mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of fell into law. And I think what happened there was, you know, I went down this legal path and there's there's creativity in law, but I think when you get started in the legal profession, there's not a whole lot of creativity, um, you know, especially as a law clerk, you just have much less bandwidth or maybe a leash and latitude to get creative. And without even maybe realizing how much I missed it, I kind of went down a path that, you know, all of a sudden I looked back and I said, gosh, I don't really love what I'm doing. And I think it has to do with the fact that I I don't feel like I have that creativity. Mm. So to do what we do now collaboratively and work together is really exciting to me. And I, I guess the why is probably that I love sort of opening your mind to all of the possibilities of something, mm-hmm. whether it's a building or whether it's you know the way that you manage a property mm-hmm. and have those brainstorming sessions where you know, you're taking all of the knowledge that you have and experiences that you have and just trying to come up with kind of a, you know, a third way, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, and for whatever reason, that creative process is, if I could just do that all of the time, man, I'd be, uh, I'd be the happiest guy on earth. So I have to ask you, did you always want to be an architect? <laughs> <laughs> you know, had I been smart enough to know at the time, you know, I think we probably in, at least in the United States, maybe it's different in other cultures, but I think we almost have to decide what path we're headed down a little too early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make yes. it right because it's true. Yeah, I, and I and I think had I known what you do and how much I love this process, I might have pursued architecture. Right, sure. um, I could see. That. I mean, obviously, yeah. But at the time, you know, I had a great friend who went to University of Virginia Architecture School, and he was just studying so hard and seemed like not having any fun. And I was having lots of fun as, you know, as an English lit major. So to me at that time of my life, it was just like, oh, man, why would I ever do that? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So you have worked with architects, right? As a developer, right? And yep. and I mean, we've talked about those relationships. So, so tell us a little bit about that and how you have worked with architects and what your experiences have been with architects, with other architects. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to work with a bunch of architects on our commercial development projects and also on uh, some residential projects that were personal to my wife and I. Mm. And I think one thing that I've realized is just how different the process can be <laughs> between <laughs> architects and the experience can be between different architects. Mm-hmm. You know, and and not that this is a promo for you, Baron, but you know, one of the things that I really value and enjoy about working with you. And I I don't know that I'd value it so much if I didn't have the experience on the opposite side sure. of, you know, of the equation is how open-minded you are to my ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, sometimes the experiences with architects, hey, this is, and I'm speaking from the architect side, this is my project, this is my design, this is my vision. 
don't mess with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And yes. and uh, and I think what I love so much about how we work together is I think we both respect, you know, what each of us brings to the table mm-hmm. and knows that ultimately we're going to end up with the best design if if we're listening to each other and, and really being thoughtful. Yeah. You know, so but I could I could also spend the next uh two hours of this podcast, and I don't think it's gonna be two hours, but on the horror stories, you know, and some some really challenging situations that give us one. I think the this was not uh, there wasn't a ton of money at stake, so that was the good the good news here. But we, uh, my wife and I, uh, worked with a landscape architect on the backyard for our first home, mm. and you know we didn't have a lot of financial resources at the time, and uh, you know, but but we had a vision. And worked with a, a landscape architect who designed a backyard that we just thought was the most beautiful thing that you know we'd ever seen in our lives, and you know, and then we said to her, you know, what, you know, what do you think something like this costs? And she said, I have absolutely no idea, and that is not what I do. <laughs> she said, I mean, and, and really, you know, almost was upset uh, for us asking the question. Lo and behold, you know, we get a a landscaper to, you know, bid it out. And it was probably, you know, more than the cost of our home, mm-hmm. you know, to do what she had executed. And there there had really been, you know, no thought really on either side of our, uh, uh, you know, the equation as to what this thing would cost. Mm-hmm. But we spent all the design fees on the architecture and basically had to scrap it and, mm-hmm. and start over. And we just weren't knowledgeable enough at that time to ask you know, ask some of those questions at the outset. Have you had similar experiences with architects for buildings for your development for your development? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'd say you know most architects that we've worked with with for our buildings have a general sense as to you know well this is going to be more expensive than this. Mm-hmm. But you know what I think again you bring to the table uh, versus you know maybe other architects is. One, you know, as we're designing, we're knowing what different changes uh, that we're making, you know, what they're going to cost. And, you know, simultaneous to that, you have, I think, because you're a developer in in your own right, a certain understanding of by order of magnitude. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Is this uh, 10 times more expensive or is it? 10% 10% more expensive and it's something we should consider. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can spend a lot of money and time pursuing something that's 100% more expensive mm-hmm. and you're never going to, you know, make this design choice, but you just don't know, you know, because you're not working with a GC simultaneous and yep. because your architect doesn't doesn't know it's 100 times more expensive or doesn't care or might not care. <laughs> right? I mean, I think yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah. They just there there's this Stereotype, unfortunately, and a stigma, and none of those come from nothing. They, they're they're based on truth. I find at least that like you said in the beginning, they want it theirs. It's theirs, and they get very possessive of it, and it becomes something that they, as architects, you know, just just want what they want. <laughs> so, so this is interesting, and I'm uh, I know it's your podcast, but I'm going to ask you a question. So, like I know in there's been a lot of talk about medical school and a legal education that some of these master programs are not teaching students about 
how to actually practice. So how to actually practice law, how to practice medicine. And one of the things is client relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's bedside manner for Mm -hmm. a doctor (laughs) or whether it is, you know, in the legal profession, I think bedside manner is is certainly one of those things, but there's also a cost impact, right? That I, I think a lot of lawyers aren't aware of, you know, when they're racking up hours. So is that top, you know, when you go through architecture school, is there any uh, consideration given there? And if it's not, how did you sort of learn to operate a little differently than, than maybe most? Well, I guess my first answer is, is that I would say that most anything I learned was outside of academic. So I don't believe that, at least in my experience, the academic curriculum really taught about being in a firm and what it takes to run a firm or in the real world. It was more about design or theory or concept or, you know, it wasn't as clear about being outside of it. For me, I don't know, we probably could sit and I could tell you about how I was raised, (laughs) you know, and, and why I am the way I am. I will say this, that, look, we all have different experiences in our lives that, that direct us or give us reason as to why we approach different things. And I've had certain experiences in my life that I think have um, altered the way that I look at things. But the concept of, of hourly is just not in my head. I don't like that because it creates a situation where both parties are concerned. And I would rather be in a situation where both parties are enjoying themselves <laughs> and having fun and working to collaborate and working to get to a end result that is successful. And the hourly concept, just that as a concept, creates a situation that that you're 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 concerned about how many hours, what the cost is to those hours. And that's why I just don't go into any project, whether it's hourly or not, thinking about it in that way. It's it's a it's a it's just a mentality that I have. And I try to not. You know, I try to treat every project as simply a project that we have taken on. Once we've agreed to it, we've agreed to it. And that's our commitment to it. And we want to make it successful. And that's sort of it. You know, there's nothing really more to it. At least it doesn't have to be more to it. You can you can make more out of it. But, you know, so, I mean, that sort of leads to you. You and I have a, a, a unique approach to how we work, right, as architect and developer, in that you're part of our Concierge Plus program. Do you like that? Do you like that approach where as as our so our Concierge Plus program basically treats us as a on a monthly retainer basis, a monthly fee that we uh, determine based on a certain scope, and then we agree on it as uh, as two different parties to uh, pay that fee and we are available just like a concierge doctor would be. I don't know, do you, have you found that that is good or bad or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, on the, on the uh, subject of this, you know, not being a promo for you, I'll, I'll sort of give you the way I thought about it going into it and then how I feel now, right? because I, I think it's really relevant. You know, I was nervous going into it, not nervous so much as just unsure, one, because it's so different. And two, because, I mean, here's here's the reality. If you go into a relationship with, you know, a new 
partner, right? And you haven't worked together yet, right? Let's say, you know, we agree on a monthly retainer fee and, you know, I get six months down the road and then I say to myself, oh my gosh, like I actually don't think the value was there, right? Like that can happen. The reality has been that, you know, I feel like the value has been there every step of the way. <laughs> yeah. And and so I which think we knew going in. Well, which you know going in, but I don't, especially right, right. you know, sure. having having experiences with architects that have been less, you know, than yes. favorable. And so I mean that's been really rewarding, I think, a lot to develop that trust with you. Mm-hmm. And so now I would do it no other way. Uh, I would do it no other way. And um, you know, I think it's I think it's worked out really well. And the, it's funny, yeah. You know, the billable hours thing is part of the reason I didn't go practice law because mm-hmm. I felt the same way mm-hmm. about the incentives that are set up, you know, on both sides. Again, you know, mm-hmm. in that situation, and you know, I think some of these, it's like having fun when you're working on a project that leads to better results. Absolutely, right? <laughs> having trust yes. with the people you work with leads to better results. So it isn't just a touchy-feely thing that, right. oh, I had fun on that project. Wasn't it great? It's, it's it, for in my mind, at least, it's literally that note. Because we're having fun and we're at ease and we've got that trust with each other, we're going to end up in a better place. Agreed. So I'll end with this. Do you see yourself continuing to be a developer? I love it. I, I do. I do. Uh, it's an easy answer. And, um, you know, it's uh, like anything, there are things that you like more, mm-hmm. you know, than other things. But, you know, for me, working with smart people, learning every day, and it's such a, an area that's so rich with so many different facets of the business, to, you know, to whether it's construction or architecture or engineering, you know, the, if you want to dive into any of those areas, you can on any given day. And I, I love that about it. It's fun. Yeah. Well, thank you. We can, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have to schedule another one because like, yeah, man, I, part I, of I enjoy this. I, I and I knew I would enjoy it with you. So uh, yeah, likewise. You. And, uh, yeah, I'm great. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Josh. We could probably create an entire season with just him. Our next episode is with Marisa Manjani, a local kitchen consultant with a new book out, which I believe some of our listeners will find very interesting.